0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Spotlights. Come here, let me look at you. Spotlight, Spotlight. I want to keep
1: digging. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio. Sirius XM 132, I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm hosting live from New York City again this week. But my co-host, America's Free, the Whitney M. Young, Jr. Professor of Marketing and the brand Identity Theorist, is in our Philadelphia studio. Our guest, Natalie Justin, is the President of Consumer Products Division for the North America Zone of L'Oreal. Welcome, Natalie. Hi,
0: We're incredibly uh, and, you know, extremely excited to have you here, Natalie. We want to pick your brain so much to talk about. Barbara, jump us off, really. This is awesome.
1: I'm really happy you're on because, as I'm sure you know, Natalie, the beauty business is just changing radically all over with the growth of Ulta, which has blurred the line between drugstore brands and department store brands. And for you being ahead of L'Oreal, which is one of the biggest drugstore brands known as, you know, the class of the mass, I'm curious how you're how you see this this changing environment with um a lot of startups coming into this space and you are a brand that's been around for how many years? A very long time, a very, very big yeah. brand.
2: More um, than
1: <laughs> Uh, Yeah. So like, how does that work when you got all these startups coming in? uh, You know, I can't tell you we have here at Wharton, a lot of people starting new brands and they want to start beauty brands. Yeah. So you got a lot of little brands coming. You've got powerful retailers, new retailing chain, you know, Mm. Sephora and Ulta coming in to these brands. And then you have L'Oreal, which is a hundred year old, very, very well-known brand and Maybelline, another brand, um, how are you keeping up with the changing world of beauty?
2: Yeah, you know, that's what I was about to say, that L'Oréal is really the name of, of the group. But then in L'Oreal we have so many different brands mm-hmm. and so for the brands that I'm I'm responsible for with my team like uh, we have brands like L'Oreal Paris obviously who you, which you spoke about we also have Maybelline we have NYX professional makeup we have Garnier so they it's sound so much better when she says it don't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know right? It's just the strategy you know of the L'Oreal group yeah, to have yeah. a, a portfolio of brands <laughs> and and then you can really uh, uh, work around them um, but you know to your point I think people also the people can be excited with new brands coming into the marketplace but they're also very excited with the right innovation that iconic brands are bringing to the marketplace mm-hmm. uh, so the growth we are seeing today on our brands like L'Oreal Paris or Maybelline is really phenomenal so um nice. so I'm not worried. Yep. I think it's great to have also startups coming into the beauty space because they are bringing that excitement as well. Yes. But you know the beauty category is so resilient mm. and people are engaged with mm-hmm. beauty. So you need a lot of different brands and a lot of different, you know, uh, style to be able to address all the beauty dreams of of everybody. Mm.
1: So, you know, so first of all, I'm just curious on your four piece strategies, one thing we teach in our core strategy, product, place, promotion, and price. Has L'Oreal stayed in their place strategy, like in drugstores and things like that? Or have they changed their strategy at all with this changing environment? And L'Oreal is always a pretty big brand. So you you did a lot of advertising um, Mm -hmm. and there wasn't that much in store because in a drugstore, there's not that much experience. It's not like a department store Sephora. So I'm curious how you build brand in this changing world.
2: Yeah, no, it's a very good question. You know, uh, we always talk about like drugstore brand when we talk about mass brands. But the reality is that we are not only present in drugstores. Like we are in drugstores, but we are also at Ulta. We are also at Amazon. We are in Target. We are in Walmart. Right. So there is a, a, I think the channel strategy is extremely important for, for all, uh, all these brands. And you are talking about the four P's and, and, you know, where you put your brand is really critical. But the way to think about it is where is your shopper? And then you need to make sure that, you know, you are where where the shopper is expecting you to be. Mm. And so obviously, like, it has changed. You know, we we became much bigger on e-com. We became also much bigger at Ulta because today consumers are becoming more and more savvy about beauty. So they are more and more demanding and they want to spend more and more money. And they want to get into those environments where they have that experience. So Ulta is definitely a place that is... You know, growing fast. You were you were talking about Sephora. It's uh, it's another retailer that is growing really fast today. And then the other one is Target. Target is doing a great job right. at, you know, and they're
1: partnering um, with Ulta too. So that's part of that.
2: yeah they do. But they're doing really a great job to uh, I think engage with their shoppers, uh, which is really interesting. And now all those retailers they have also created media arms, right? So you can also advertise, like you were saying, in drugstores, you you sometimes cannot bring your advertising. But actually, they have now retail media offers where you can leverage your advertising, you know, in a very um, one-on-one relationship with the shopper. So they can see, you know, the brand. One-on-one, wow. So that's really interesting.
0: Interesting.
1: That's super interesting. So, like, uh, how... So how are you balancing the legacy a right. hundred years old brand right. Right. a Maybelline right. with technology, AR and VR and all these brand you know, these changes. I mean, in one way, like I, I take a group of students to France every year on a luxury trip and we go and we talk to Louis Vuitton and Hermes and they within two seconds they tell you the legacy of the brand. The brand is a hundred years old, we have this history. The reason we're luxury brands is because we have this history history and the french brands are very proud of their legacy and i assume that's a little bit true with loreal also like it you know it, it's not an hermes brand but it does have a legacy it it is but but then on yeah. the other hand you want to be modern and you want to be where you know people are and so it seems like that's a little bit of a contradiction
2: yeah So I want, you know, I think it's not because you're a legacy brand, which I'd rather call iconic brand than legacy brand. (laughs) But it's not because you're an iconic brand that you have to be Mm. borrowing. So so I think, you know, think about L'Oreal Paris. You are talking about that brand. Um, We've been able to rejuvenate completely our makeup business in the past two years. We went totally viral, you know, with, with our infallible powder. We went totally viral with our telescopic mascara. And today we have more and more Gen Z actually engaging with the brand. Mm. So I think oh. it's also what you do. It's not only your, your positioning, it's also what you do beyond your equity. So on L'Oreal Paris, for example, one pillar of the brand is women empowerment. So there are a lot of things we do through that. And this is definitely connecting very strongly with the new generation. And then the other thing is that at the end they are buying products so are you having the best innovation on Mm. the marketplace this is really what matters also for for people uh so you know maybe mass is a little, little bit different versus luxury but at least in mass like your marketing has to be extremely offensive and and especially on makeup you know it's an offer driven category so, if you have the right product out there, then people are going to be craving the brand mm-hmm. and it's not because the brand has been there for a long time that it has to be boring. Mm-hmm. The advantage of those brands that have been there for a long time is that they've already they've already built trust mm-hmm. with consumers yeah. so they start from a really good place already
0: yeah Natalie, I want so you to you... sorry 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 Barbara I, I want to build on Barbara's point though around this question of innovation and could mm-hmm. you talk us through just a little bit Natalie, how the innovation process works? Like, how how many ideas of new innovative things going on in this space are you pursuing at any one given time, let's say, in equilibrium? And how long is that window of an idea of something to do? You said telescopic mascara, I think, which presumably (laughs) does something that's not just a name. It actually does something because this is real science. But so talk a little bit about how do these innovations... And let me
1: just build on that idea, too, America, just because I I love that question. I want to add a little wrinkle to it. And when you say innovation, are you talking about product innovations, like America's reference, the different type of mascara, or are you talking about changes
2: in style and what makeup is used for? I I was about to start my answer with that. Gotcha. I think there are so many different ways to innovate. Gotcha. Like product is one, but Mm -hmm. also what my team has really um brought creativity into is the go-to-market strategy, like the way you amplify a launch, you know, the way you you really create um the desire uh from consumer to go after that launch. So I'm sure we're gonna talk about social media and yeah. TikTok. This has changed a lot the mm-hmm. way we do marketing today. Mm-hmm. And you need to be extremely creative. I just went out of a meeting with my next professional Team mm-hmm. and they are so creative with everything they do. You know, they, for example, like there's this show which is Love Is Blind that is so big in the U. S. Yes. and you know Gen Z are so much into it. Yes. And we are launching an amazing brow product today. It's called Zero to Brow and it's, it it went totally viral uh, online. And now they are creating that uh, that content about brows blind. Gotcha. And, uh, and I mean, I really, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. should go watch it. It yeah. already has millions of, uh, of followers as a hashtag. Wow. Like it's amazing. Excellent. So the creativity doesn't only have to be about product innovation. Product Understood. innovation is very important, yep. but it's also about, you know, the way you activate from a consumer standpoint mm-hmm. and from a commercial standpoint as well.
0: Interesting. So, it's-
2: so like that, that's another
1: question. You know, when we think about innovation, whether it's top down or bottom up, Um, I was talking talking to the CMO of Ulta. In fact, I think America was on our show and I asked what was new and she said one word. This was last year, but she said one word, euphoria, which was that TV mm. show where people were doing all these crazy things with makeup. Um, mm. And so how much do you monitor what what people are already doing and then you bring it back right. into your into your world versus you come up you have you said you have this incredible creative team and they come up yeah. with creative ideas. Yeah, so how right. does
2: that work? Top down, bottom up? Well, it, it, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. I think you need it to work both ways mm-hmm. and you need to be more and more agile today. Um, I think it's about being on the pulse of what's happening and going at the speed of culture. You know, so so it has to, to work both ways. And it's this, the same thing with product innovation. Like, you know, the L'Oreal group has amazing labs and we spend a lot of money into research yes. and innovation. Yes. And that's something that really matters to us. Like, you know, some people might not know, but uh, L'Oreal was founded by a chemist. So science is really at the heart of everything we do. And we have as many people working in marketing in our company as we have people working in the labs. Uh, so for us, it's really important. So every year... We, we have our labs pre- presenting to our brands all the new technology that they have been working on and, you know, asking the brands, what do you think? Like, do you want to bet on that technology? How do you want to leverage it and all of that? But at the same time, the the critical markets around the globe are also talking to those development teams to say, hey, this is what's happening on my market. This is what consumers are looking for. This is the low signals I can see and Mm -hmm. the white spaces we should really look into. And so it has to be a two-way process, really. And then it's also the magic you bring to it. You know, it it makes me remember a sentence uh, from Henry Ford, who said yeah. if I had listened to my consumers I would have made faster horses right <laughs> so you have to listen to what people want but then you have to bring the magic of marketing yes, into it and innovation. so you really come up to, with something that surprised them and yeah. uh, and is delighting them
0: so let me ask you this Natalie I, I want Barbara and I talk about this all the time <clears throat> in a space like the beauty space right it seems like there's a lot of uh, a lot of competition how would you describe your approach at L'Oreal and its house of brands, et cetera, to create differentiation? And what, how would you define like your key differentiator? What do you all do that's really different from the competitors that is some sort of your special sauce, your secret sauce? Like how, how do you create that distinction in the marketplace that makes you uh, at least be perceived as quite different from other competitive offerings people might choose?
2: Yeah, well, I think there are a few things. Um, I think at L'Oreal, we, uh, we have a portfolio of brands and we really get into the details of the equity of, of each brand. Like what do they stand for? What is the space they want to own in the marketplace? And then we make sure to have the correct portfolio strategy. Uh, so, you know, when I look at the plans for L'Oréal Paris or Maybelline or Nick's, I make sure that it's complementary to each other and mm. they don't all go after one thing. Mm-hmm. They might be, by the way, launching similar innovation at the same oh. time, but that could be when we want to create a new category. Oh. Uh, but otherwise, they're going to do it differently and they're always going to do it with a different touch because they are not targeting the same audiences so we are also using a lot of you know uh, we look at at cohorts of consumers and and which brand is really resonating with which cohort and and how are they going to really interact with that cohort which is extremely important so i think and, and that comes from the fact that we are very consumer centric mm. i think one of the things that loreal is very proud of is our consumer centricity we've always been very consumer centric and it all starts With the consumer and where we are very lucky is that beauty is a very social category Mm, uh, like everybody wants to talk about it to engage with beauty so even looking at the you know uh, social uh, media and you learn so much about what people want about what they care about the, the trends and then it's about being true to your brand
0: interesting. So,
1: you know, let's 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 take on some of the modern things that a lot of people are talking about and see them through your lens. So, one of the big issues people are talking about is the role of technology. AR, VR, metaverse. Um so where do you stand on on all of that, I mean, you can totally see a, a role for augmented reality in makeup because you can put these things on your face as filters or different kinds of things <laughs> um, and try on lots of different looks. But then it's digital; it's not, it's not in real life. So there's some trade-offs there, uh, and then yeah. just this whole idea of engagement in a metaverse. Where are you on all of those dimensions?
2: Again, I think we need to be where consumers are. And they, they are, they want to, uh, inter, in, you know, interact with our brands in the digital world mm-hmm. and in the virtual world. So we, we have to be where they want to find us. And so it's true that at L'Oreal, you know, especially on the consumer product division, which is the division which has like the mass brands, you know, we are beauty democratizers and we have a beauty for each approach. So we want to provide the best of beauty to every single person, whatever um wherever they are so virtual and AR makes beauty accessible uh for for everyone making it more inclusive as well so it also takes into account you know individuals economic situations like being able to truly try before you buy helps consumers make the right choices and make sure they are satisfied with their decisions Um, Have you tried that digital?
1: Do you actually think that works? I'm just curious. Um, Like when you put on digital makeup, I mean, I know it works. But do you feel the same way? Like when you put digital makeup on your face as real
2: makeup that it's I mean, just it's actually super exciting. You should try. So I I, I (laughs) talked about two things one thing is modiface which is like it's a it's a tech company that we acquired a few years ago that comes from canada Mm. and we we based all our virtual try-ons you know um online on e-commerce based on that technology and so that's really great because you can try the products before you buy them the other thing that i would say you should try is microsoft teams maybelline filter Like, that's really super cool when you don't have time (laughs) to do your makeup and you get into a meeting. Uh Well, at first I was like, well, why would we do that? You know, Uh but actually you try it, it's super convenient. And then you just want to buy that product so you can have that look in real life as well. Wow. So I think it's just, you know, it's like omni-channel. When we talk about online and offline, well, there's no online and offline. It's mm-hmm. just omni-channel. Gotcha. And so right. today it's the same with virtual reality and in real life. Like it's the same consumer. They need that seamless experience.
0: Let me ask you a question, Natalie, because you bring up something that's super interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this. Maybe you have data on this. Your your thoughts as well, Barbara. The The idea that, you know, these kinds of digital things is, is the premise that digital makeup and excessive, maybe excessive is the wrong word, but a high use of digital makeup cannibalizes you know, the idea that you would do more of it in the real world? Is that, is that a legitimate premise or is it the opposite? In other words, you know, you're opening a gateway to this virtual world, which is easy and costless, I guess, and, and looks really well on the Microsoft Teams format, which then facilitates more buying in the real world. But one could imagine situations where you know maybe that doesn't work. Like maybe I'm I'm getting my never went out of your house. Yeah. (laughs) Well, right. Well, it works for hermits. But I mean, for the people, I mean, I'm just I'm wondering. Like, is there any concern whatsoever about?
1: Oh, because you get your fantasy out in the digital world. So then, when you go back to the real world,
2: you just do. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes, exactly what I'm saying. Is that completely implausible, Natalie, or do you see the the exact opposite happening in this space?
2: No, we see the opposite because I think the more people interact with makeup, the more they crave for it right think also about like twitch or all the gamers space right yeah Um, yeah that's interesting we we started to create avatar looks and you know with makeup because people wanted to look a certain way with their avatar but they were not able to Mm. so the fact that we are able to give you know that possibility to gamers Ah, is amazing because the platforms be more inclusive as well Mm -hmm. and then they feel more like themselves, so I think it's the opposite. I think the more you interact with makeup, the more you you're craving for
0: it. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah, that
1: is cool that it works. It kind of makes sense that it works that way, although you could see the opposite hypothesis as you were saying.
0: Yeah, for hermits, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but, but so, the hermits still come out of the house anyway, Barbara. So it doesn't matter. You know. So I've seen this
1: happening a lot, but I'd like to hear an expert tell me. Yeah. I mean, I typically thought of makeup as women's world, and now I know that a lot of the growth is coming and for men so can you just tell me a little bit uh, and you know transgender and all this other stuff like where is the growth coming from yeah. how much traditional makeup use how much is it more yeah. like you're saying you want to go for these different types yeah. of work how, how is that yeah. where are the changing? growth segments
0: yeah that's a great question
2: yeah no so look are, it's differently becoming bigger and bigger like makeup it's more and more inclusive and people want to really interact with the category then it's not going to necessarily be the same categories or the same segments that people use but it's true that we see more and more, uh, you know, um, uh, unisex usage for categories like brows or uh, concealer or even nail polish, right? Or nail care. So, um, Mm. so I think I've started to see our student,
1: our male students wear nail polish. I have to say when I first saw it, it was a little jarring, but now it's pretty common. (laughs) Nice. (laughs)
0: nice.
2: Americans, you wear some, don't you?
0: I do. I I think your point's great, Natalie. I think, you know, there's, there's, there's half market, half the market that's out there that (laughs) is addressable, but you were saying, Natalie. No, I was
2: saying like, we need to be more, we need to be more and more inclusive because why wouldn't like guys be able to also express themselves the way they want you know so we have so that's why with most of our brands we are also you know um uh, representing them more in our commercial Mm. or in the way we interact in the influencers we pick as well i think we need to also drive that uh, inclusive beauty trend you know
1: you know that's an interesting idea it's like uh the idea that it's inclusive. So it's not male, male makeup versus female makeup. You know, I know in Target, they used to have boys toys and girls toys pink and blue aisles and now they just have toys and some people like dolls and some people like building things and it's not correlated with gender so you're saying that's the trend in makeup you know people like to do their brows and it's not a male or a female thing people like to wear nail polish and it's no longer a male or a female thing it's just whether or not you like nail polish yeah yeah Hmm. and i
0: yeah i think it's i I love that you use a phrase that's stuck into my mind natalie you said the speed of culture And I love that phrase because I think it points nicely to that idea that you're saying that just sort of sociologically staying on top of understanding what consumers want, where they are, meeting them, where they are uh, and understanding their needs. It's a fantastic insight.
2: But it's, you know, we uh, it's also a pretext to get into the deeper conversation within, within society. Like, for example, Nick did a collab with Barbie. And so, yeah, it's very cool for a makeup brand to do a collab with Barbie. But what's behind it? Mm. Well, what's behind it is women empowerment, is, you know, all those topics, like even like, like diversity, like all the topics that are so important to people today. By collaborating with that movie, like we are able to really raise that conversation, which is good. Well, excellent.
1: That is so fantastic. That's Natalie, awesome. thank you so much for joining us today. So where can our listeners go to find out more about what L'Oreal is doing and what you are doing? Oh, well, they can go
2: anywhere. They will find us.
0: You know, <laughs> <in> four,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And they can follow uh, me on LinkedIn, of course. Excellent,
1: excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. That's all that we have time for today. We'd like to thank our producers, Dion Simpkins and Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at S or X at S. SXM Marketing. And you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about our programming. And be sure to check out our website at sxmmarketing.com. And you can also look for podcasts that we're doing. Uh, if you go to Knowledge at Wharton, you can see the Marketing Matters podcast. So we have lots of different ways for you to come and listen to us and hear our discussions with some of the leading marketers in the world. Thank you all for listening today. We'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn, here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.